Our guest this week is Trey Thompson. He's the director of the Oklahoma Historical Society. Trey, good morning. Well, good morning to you. It's uh, so great to be with you again. Glad to be uh, talking to you uh, once. It's been a while since uh, we've been uh, on. You've been on the program. Uh, it's been a couple years, I guess, since you were very active with the, all the uh, renovations and upgrades at the state capitol. Yeah, well, thankfully that project has uh, almost concluded now. I know the Arts Council is slowly bringing the art back into the building and getting it placed again, and there's new pieces of art going in. But for the most part, that project is finished up this year, and I'm thrilled about that. Yeah, that was a multi-year project. Kind of give us a summary. Yeah, so we started that project in 2014, and it just concluded this year, so it was about eight years. And we finished it up on time and on budget, which we're very proud of. It's about $280 million project. And throughout all of the work, we restored the exterior stone and exterior windows. We put a new roof on the building. On the interior, we replaced all the plumbing, the mechanical systems, the electrical systems. Uh, we added a new museum in the state capitol. That is actually the Oklahoma Historical Society did all the exhibits for that. And uh, the building is just beautiful, and uh, it is incredible. I, I encourage everybody out there to come give a visit to the building and, and check it out, particularly if you haven't been there in a while. Yeah, so it's our state capitol, open to the public, and, uh, yeah, schedule a visit there to the state capitol. Absolutely. It's free to get in, and, and you can come see all of the changes that have happened over the last few years. And, the Bill, I just gave a tour this morning to a few people, and, a couple from North Carolina, they said, this building is really gleaming. I said, well, you're here at the right time because it really is just been finished with all the restoration work. All right. Uh, glad, to, glad to see that. Well, let's shift our attention now to the Historical Society and how long have you been with, uh, with that group? Well, I was fortunate to come on in January 2021, and so it's almost been two years which is a little bit hard to believe yeah. because it, it kind of feels like I blinked and we're sitting here now. And I remember walking in on my first day just kind of being a little bit nervous about it. And now here we are almost two years later. And I can't tell you how thrilled and how privileged I am to be in this position. Of course, I took over for Dr. Bob Blackburn, who really distinguished himself in this position. And he was just inducted into the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. And uh, so take over, to take over for a guy like that and to be tr entrusted with this organization, it really meant a lot to me. And uh, we've been able to do our share of improvements and to really kind of build on the success that he's had over all these years. And so uh, I've just been really thrilled to be here. Yeah, big shoes to fill, no doubt about it, because he was there for years, long time. Yeah, he was with the agency over 40 years, and, and he was the leader for 20, so... Uh, I've got a little ways to go before I catch up with him, but like I said, we're, uh, you know, we fired out of the cannon. We've uh, been able to do a lot just in the two years since I've been here. All right. So most recently, you've been able to uh, uh, get some help from state lawmakers uh, earlier this year, and you're able to do a lot of uh, improvements across the state with uh, with the help of the legislature. Yeah, I'm really excited about that because when I first got here in 2021, I started going around to all of our sites. We have about 25 museums and sites across the state and, you know, that talk about all different aspects of Oklahoma history, whether it be Route 66 or whether it be uh, the Battle of Honey Springs or, you know, we talk about some of the land runs and uh, Native American history. 
But we have sites all across the state, and, and, you know, all of them that just, you know, haven't had as much investment as we would like over the years to keep everything looking good. And we're talking some of the same things we had to do on the, the capital project. You know, we need to rehabilitate plumbing. We need to put new roofs on buildings. We've got sidewalks and parking lots that are falling apart. And so all of these kind of critical maintenance issues have just piled up over the years. And so we worked with the legislature and were able to get a $46 million bond issue passed at the end of session last uh, last May. And it is, uh, we're really excited about it. We are just in the process of getting those bonds authorized through the state bonding agency. But I think by the end of uh, next year, we'll really be able to get some of these projects going and started. And uh, over the next four to five years, the public's really going to see a difference at our museums and sites across the state. I'm sure Lieutenant Governor Matt Pinnell is happy to hear that. You know, he's the director of tourism, and uh, that's what uh, rings his bell, is to make sure that Oklahoma makes a good first impression for those folks who are stopping at some of these tourism spots. Well, that's exactly right, and, and Lieutenant Governor Pinnell was a big force for us, and he was a big advocate for us getting this uh, bond money and helped us out quite a bit. But, yeah, you're exactly right. You know, when people come to our sites, we want to give them a good impression. We want them to see that uh, that we're taking good care of the assets that have been entrusted to us. I always say that if, if we're going to have it, we need to take care of it. And if we're not going to take care of it, then we really shouldn't have it. And thankfully, the legislature really bought in to saying, yeah, you're right, we need to take care of these things. And we had great support from both Republicans and Democrats, and uh, I'm thrilled about it, and, and you're exactly right. You know, history and cultural tourism, when people come to a state, they want to come visit the things about your state that are unique, and we've got all kinds of things that we can show them at our OHS properties. I think you mentioned uh, Route 66, so that's got so much national history uh, tied to it, and a lot of folks come from uh, back east and out west, and, and they want to drive down that historic roadway, and there's a lot of museums uh, along the way. Well, absolutely right. You know, starting in Miami, Oklahoma, and then driving west all the way through the state, there's uh, lots of different museums. There's lots of different cultural sites. You know, in, in we have in Claremore, we have the Will Rogers Museum, which is pretty close to Route 66. And of course, you know, Route 66 was nicknamed the Will Rogers Highway. And so we've got that great institution there. In uh, Clinton, we have the Route 66 Museum which is dedicated to telling the story of Route 66 in Oklahoma. But we have more drivable miles of Route 66 in Oklahoma than any other state. And we've got a great story to tell. And and some of these stories that haven't been known before are going to be known. For example, right outside of close to where I live in Luther is the Three Filling Station, which is a historic landmark that talks about the three family opening up this place, and it was really a haven for black travelers along Route 66 when back in those days there wasn't a lot of places where black travelers can stop, could get a bite to eat, could, could spend the night. And so that, that filling station is in the process of being renovated. So just some of the great stories that we're going to have to tell about the Route 66 experience in Oklahoma. You mentioned there's a new aviation exhibit uh, on display. Somewhere? I, well, not quite yet, oh, not but it quite. will okay. be. We're All looking right. at a February or March installation here at the Oklahoma History Center. 
And I'm really excited about it. A couple of years ago, we put in our, our new gallery called Oklahomans in Space. And it talks about all of the folks from Oklahoma who have impacted the space program. And there's so many more than you might even think of. There's been an Oklahoman in almost every phase of the space program since it started. Wow. And so uh, now we're working on a gallery that as you walk up to that space exhibit through the corridor, all along the, all along the way, you're going to be able to learn about Oklahomans in aviation. And people from Oklahoma who have really uh, impacted the science of aviation, have really impacted aviation exploration. And, of course, you can't ever forget, if you've been to our, our building, uh, hanging in our, our large rotunda is that one-for-one -one replica of the Wiley Post plane, the Winnie Mae. And, of course, Wiley Post was so critical to aviation history. He was the one who uh, was the first to fly solo around the world. He flew higher than anyone else for the first time and discovered the jet stream. He invented the, the flight pressurization suit so he could do that. And so we in Oklahoma have a lot to be proud of when it comes to aviation, and we want to tell that story as people are walking yet going toward that space gallery. They can learn about the aviation history that got us there. Looking forward to that opening uh, in early 2023. So that's fascinating. And, of course, uh, most Oklahomans know about Tom Stafford, but as you mentioned, so many over the decades uh, that Tom also served as a pioneer for, for, uh, for space. Well, Tom Stafford's such a, an incredible man, and we actually had a chance to interview him on our podcast not too long ago. And, boy, I just can't come away just thinking he could fly to space tomorrow. I mean, the guy is just still passionate uh, about, uh, about that whole entity and that whole enterprise. All right. Uh, and you mentioned the podcast, and so let's talk about that and uh, where folks can go, to, what, how often it runs, and where folks can go to listen to that. Well, yeah, thanks for mentioning that. We, uh, it, when I got here, we, we, there had been a podcast with OHS, but it had kind of lapsed a little bit, and we got it restarted again. And I uh, talked to my predecessor, Dr. Blackburn, into being my co-host on that podcast. Good and for so you, yeah. <laughs> anybody who has ever heard Dr. Blackburn speak in an event, like a Rotary Club meeting or speak at an evening dinner event, you know that he is one of the best at telling Oklahoma stories. And so uh, we were driving around the state when I first got this job, and he was showing me our historic properties, and we just had these wonderful conversations in the car as we were uh, driving to these different sites. And, and not all of them were about history. You know, a lot of them were just, what kind of movies do you like and what kind of things do you like to do for fun and all those kinds of things. And I kind of had an epiphany. I said, Bob, we should really do a podcast together. And Bob is not the most technical of, of gentlemen. You know, he, uh, he kind of, uh, he, he was, uh, you know, always a little bit, uh, even needed some help sometimes with his iPhone. But, uh, but he said, Trey, what's a podcast? And I said, well, uh, I, I explained it to him. I said, it's kind of like a radio show, but you can dial it up over any topic you ever imagine. And so I said, I'll pay you if you'll do this podcast with us. He said, no, this sounds great. I'll volunteer my time. And so we have just had a wonderful time doing it. Uh, we put out one episode a month, and the podcast is called A Very Okay Podcast. And so if people go to their favorite app where you do uh, download podcasts, you can go to Apple or Spotify or to Google or Amazon or any other app that someone might use. 
If you search for A Very Okay Podcast, you'll be able to find us. We put out one episode a month, and uh, we've got everything from episodes on the Tulsa Race Massacre to the Battle of Honey Springs to Cowboys and Outlaws to the history of golf in Oklahoma. So we try to just do things that are interesting. Uh, one of my favorite comments to hear about the podcast that people will discover it and they'll say, I've lived in Oklahoma all my life and I never knew about that. And that just makes me so happy because we're telling stories that people uh, need to hear. And so uh, we're very excited about it. So I'd encourage anybody who has an opportunity, uh, go download that podcast. And uh, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, how long are they? Each episode is usually anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and 15 minutes. Nice. So, we try not to make them too terribly long, but a lot of times we're talking about subjects where it's just hard to cover it in 30 minutes. So, uh, And, of course, like I said, both Bob and I do like to tell stories, and uh, so we, we think it's pretty fun, and uh, we've had good reception to it so far, and uh, we... Uh, we we really enjoy doing them. And a good thing about a podcast is you can stop it any time you want and go take a break and come back to it later and don't have to watch the whole thing all at once. Oh, yeah, that's exactly right. You know, and I usually listen to them. My commute into work is about 20 minutes, you know, both ways. And so I listen to them usually as I'm commuting to work. And, uh, you know, anything from a history podcast to a true crime podcast to entertainment. So there's all kind of different topics. And, uh, and we've got uh, this one on Oklahoma history, and, and people have reacted very well to it so far. All right. Uh, what's coming up in the next couple of months? Do you have, uh, have put together ready to, uh, the, the, the theme yet, or do you wait a couple of weeks before you can put that together? Well, it's funny you mentioned that. Usually about a couple of weeks before it's time to record, I say, hey, Bob, what do you, what do you think about this one, doing a topic on this? Or he might say, hey, Trey, what, do you, what about this? So we've kind of done it just kind of uh, flying by the seat of our pants a little bit and putting together the topics. This year I'm actually going to try and plan out the whole year. So I don't know exactly what we're going to do yet, but uh, you can tune in and be surprised just like we are. All so. right. And all the previous podcasts are kind of archived uh, somewhere. Yes. Maybe on the yeah. uh, you got a website they can go to to check those out, I guess. Yeah, if you go to uh, okhistory.org backslash, and this is the, the letters A-V-O, KP, uh, a very okay podcast, uh, you'll be able to find us on the OHS website or whatever you download the app, uh, whatever your podcast app is on your phone, all those episodes will be in the bank there, and so you can go back and listen to all of them. Uh, what, do, you have, uh, do you provide some assistance to uh, local historical societies, or how are your, two, how are your missions uh, the same, and how are they different? Well, that's a great question. We do provide assistance to local historical societies, and so one of the ways we do that is we have what's called a Heritage Preservation Grant. And uh, we each year the legislature appropriates us about half a million dollars that we then distribute in grants to historical societies and different historical organizations across the state to do different projects. And most of these projects center around from everything from uh, we need to create a strategic plan do we want to do an exhibit, a special exhibit, or we want to digitize some of the documents or photos in our collections? And so uh, our uh, largest grant in each cycle is about $20,000 to any one entity, and then we distribute that. In fact, we're, we're just evaluating this year's grant applications, and over the next few weeks we'll be ready to announce the winners of, uh, of those grants for this coming cycle. 
But uh, that once again, that can be found. All that information can be found on our website, okhistory.org. But we're we're very passionate about helping out local historical societies. However, we can be a resource. Sometimes people want to, uh, you know, ask us about the best way to display uh, display items and do exhibits, or about uh, collections. Um, we have a history symposium every year where we do uh, best practices in some of those areas, and we have the breakout groups for that. Uh, but we really focus, at, you know, at OHS, we try and focus on some of those overarching state stories. And the great thing about those local historical societies is that they're able to focus on some of those local stories that the local community would know and understand. So it's a good partnership. It's a good way to do things. And we're always happy to be helpful however we can. I know our Grady County Historical Society has taken advantage of the grant program and uh, uh, have been able to get the approval for several thousands of dollars in, uh, you know, just things that help them with their digitizing or some, some other things that, uh, that they use to categorize and a lot of information at, uh, at these little libraries or museums rather. Well, it really is. And, you know, the great thing about it is, is the more things that we can get online, you know, it helps with researchers so much if they don't have to, you know, kind of travel somewhere to look up some of these documents or photographs and, more and more of, of those uh, items are being added online. The unfortunate thing is it does cost money to do that. It's not a, a cheap or an easy process, and it's fairly labor-intensive to do it. But it's such a benefit to the public that once those items are out there, uh, and we have our, our document archive on our website, and if people want to see that, they can go to – it's called the Gateway to Oklahoma History, and they can go, go to gateway.okhistory.org. And you can see all of the photographs and newspaper pages and so on and so forth that we've been able to digitize here, which at this point we have well over a million photos documented, well over 4 million pages of newspapers that are uh, digitized as well. And we continue adding more almost every day. So it is important to do those kinds of things, and that's why we have the grant available. And I would encourage any historical nonprofit to uh, to. You know, we can always uh, reach out to us or go on the website, and we're always happy to help how we can. You mentioned earlier about uh, one of the historical sites uh, is uh, the Battle of Honey Springs in eastern Oklahoma, and you probably know that there's a Chickasha connection to that. Uh, one of our USAO professors leads a program there every summer and uh, teaches the students about the Battle of Honey Springs. Uh, they even serve as tour guides, I think, uh, occasions of the summer. So uh, Dr. James Fink has been doing some, uh, spent a lot of, lots of his summers uh, over there in Shakota. Well, I'm so thankful for Dr. Fink and his students because they do such an incredible job out there. They're so good at, at giving those tours and helping bring the battle to life. And, you know, it's these kind of partnerships that really – do enhance both organizations. It gives the students the opportunity to have those experiences, and it gives us the opportunity uh, to give our visitors and guests a better experience as well. And so, yeah, you know, I think a lot of people uh, don't know the significance of the Battle of Honey Springs, and it's one of the reasons we did do a podcast episode on it. But that battle took place on, on July 17, 1863, and there were about 12,000 soldiers engaged in that battle, and it really was the battle for control of Indian territory. And uh, had that uh, uh, 
the Union Army ended up winning, um, but but it's not really so much about even the outcome. It's more about who was fighting in that. That was one of the few battles in the Civil War where the majority of the combatants were not white soldiers. Uh, you had Native American soldiers from various tribes, and you also had in the center of the line for the Union Army, you had the uh, 1st Kansas Colored Volunteer Infantry Regiment. And uh, those guys uh, were actually some of the first black soldiers in the Civil War to see action. Uh, they had seen action at the Battle of Cabin Creek uh, in June of 1863, and then July 17th, which was one day before the, the black soldiers of the 54th Massachusetts charged Battery Wagner, which we're all familiar with from seeing the movie Glory. But this battle here in Oklahoma... Uh, took place one day before that, and the black soldiers were really given credit for holding the center of the line and for being one of the difference makers in the battle. And after that, the Confederate uh, Army would never really gain a, a foothold in Indian Territory again. I know uh, Oklahoma has uh, pays a lot of tribute to Buffalo soldiers, too, and I know there's a, I believe there's a group in the Lawton area that is very active, and uh, you know they, are, they participate in parades and Veterans Day ceremonies and things like that. Yeah, you know, Oklahoma did have quite a contingent of Buffalo soldiers. Um, they were stationed at uh, down at Fort Sill. They were stationed at Fort Reno and uh, stationed at Fort Supply as well. And so, um, you know, and, and one of the significant one of their significant duties was to uh, keep those boomers out of uh, the unassigned lands in Indian Territory uh, during the 1870s and into the 1880s. And so uh, those soldiers were uh, were very important historically to the growth of Oklahoma and to early Oklahoma, and uh, it, you know, and it was uh, an important part of our state's history for sure. A couple minutes left on the show, Trait, but uh, you've got a special documentary coming up here pretty quick. Yeah, we do. I want to encourage everyone to tune in to OETA. It'll be December the 29th at seven o'clock. The Friends of the Oklahoma History Center was able to be one of the funding agents for, um, if you're familiar with Gray Fredrickson, he just passed away, but this was one of his last projects, and this was a documentary on uh, Lloyd Noble, and um, during World War II, uh, you know, most of the British supply lines had been cut off, particularly when it came to energy production. And getting and getting oil and, and gas into uh, into England, and so uh, there was kind of a scheme that was developed that I didn't even really know about till I saw this documentary that uh, that we put together. But there was a scheme where um, uh, roughnecks from Oklahoma and from other uh, other states around here were recruited to go and drill for oil in Sherwood Forest in 1943, and it was a top secret mission. It was uh, everything. Uh, they had an, in, an incredibly insane schedule uh, to to drill these wells and to try and get oil production going before D-Day. But uh, this is a fascinating story. It was, like I said, it was produced by Gray Fredrickson, and this was one of his last things that he did before he passed away. And, uh, folks, you're going to love this story. Barry Corbin narrated it, which if you know Barry Corbin, you've seen him in Lonesome Dove and War Games, and you've seen him in the TV show The Ranch and Northern Exposure, and he's got that very iconic voice. But he narrated this thing, and, uh, folks, you're going to love it. So I encourage you, December 29th, 7 o'clock, OETA, give it a watch. 
Trey Thompson, the director of the Oklahoma Historical Society, on our program today. Trey, thanks so much for your time. Any final comments you'd like to, to add this morning? Well, I just want to say that uh, one of the best ways that you can support the Oklahoma Historical Society is to become a member, and that helps us sustain our operation. So if you want to do that, you can go to okhistory.org and click that support tab. And uh, that's a great way to help us out. And I just encourage you, we've got a map of all our sites on the Internet, and you can go click that and come visit us. Uh, Take some time and spend a weekend or two every couple months and go see a new site in Oklahoma. There you go. Absolutely. Again, Trey Thompson, director of the Oklahoma Historical Society, on our program this week.